It's just that kind of uh, when you're really into someone and you just can't stop looking at them. That's eye banging. It's just but like, like in oh. a really creepy way. I mean, not intentionally, but like considering who I was and what I was like at the time, then almost certainly was creepy to everyone but me. <laughs> I was going for kind of like um, smouldering and, and mysterious and sexy, but it almost certainly came across as just incredibly creepy. Hello, my name is Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories they created there, and the people that they used to know. Now, if you were queer in London in the noughties, then you would no doubt have spent a lost evening or two at Popstars, the alternative institution that is most well known for being held at Scala in King's Cross. I caught up with the host of the filthy, filthy, probably true podcast, Scott Flashheart, to talk all about his first days in London, vodka coughs, and the lost art of eye-banging across the dance floor. pop stars yeah oh it was the first um gay club i came to in london the first proper gay club i ever came to unless you count ng1 in nottingham and no one really does because oh, i've been to ng1 me too uh <laughs> did they play um it's raining men uh i don't remember it was my boyfriend at the times brothers at, um stag do Oh, who was your who's your boyfriend at the time? I probably slept with him. It's Peter. Yeah, you would have slept with him. Probably. And for some reason, I don't know, like I have no idea. I have no idea why I was even invited to go to this thing, but I went to this thing and then um so his my, so his brother was straight and everyone in this stag do was straight except for one other person who was his brother's friend. And so for some reason they decided that they would go to this gay bar. So it was this like bunch of straight men. Lads, lads, lads. And and they were all super awkward about being there. All right, so it wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's go and do this. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be really, let's go for the laugh. Yeah. Like they were actually really, they were kind of like, didn't really want to be there. Well, like may, maybe they thought they were like really cool to go. And then they got there and they were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. And then it was like this thing, like, so you're, you're all really awkward. Shall we just go somewhere else? And then I think everyone had paid the entrance fee. So everyone had committed and then they just stood around and like looked miserable. So, you know, standard night out. Yeah. But anyway, NG1, forget that. Yeah. Pop stars, your first night out. So when did you move to London? I moved to London in 2007. Uh, I'd already been to pop stars a few times by then, actually, because um, I had a friend who lived in London and I would come down and visit him and he would take me to pop stars. And that was like one of the cool nights out. We do either pop stars, um, G.A.Y. when it was a story at the Astoria or uh, the ghetto, which was oh, uh, the, ghetto, yeah. the ghetto, which yeah, 
But like pop stars has this kind of like legendary thing, vibe thing going on, <laughs> doesn't it? Like anyone who lived in London in the mid noughties did something at pop stars at some point. It was an institution, I think. Oh yeah, that's a much better way of saying it. (laughs) (laughs) But it moved around so much. It was, and all of my memories of that place are very, very blurry uh, because I used to. (laughs) So what are we going to talk about? (laughs) I don't know. I I can tell you the bits I can remember and you can like fill me in because you've been there and and stuff. We were probably there on the same night sometimes. So, um, so why did you move to London? Uh, Because I felt like I was wasting my life um, in the Midlands and at least if I was in London, I'd be able to like shag some interesting boys and maybe uh, have some fun while waiting to die. Um, so. Okay, cheery. And what are your strongest memories of that, the first <laughs> few months in London? Oh. Um, 2007, what's this? This is like when yes. Amy Winehouse was big. Yes, um, Amy Lily Winehouse Allen. was big. Lily Allen was uh, big. Yeah, Lily Allen, Amy Winehouse. Uh, uh, it was around the time of that uh, MGMT song. I remember the first guy I properly dated in London um, downloaded that, like ripped the CD and gave oh. me a copy of the CD. Oh, so uh, romantic. I know, right? <laughs> um, we we just used to eat pizza um and we used to go to, we we didn't even go out we like mostly stayed in my room um eating pizza and watching um movies which was great i quite liked that as a at the time um since then i've kind of gone oh yeah there is there are other experiences beyond getting fat and watching movies it's life outside um, your apartment um, there was until the world ended, and now that's all it. Now that I'm doing that again, except I, it's not with this cute guy who's covered in tattoos. It's with my mother, who only has one tattoo and um, doesn't like pizza. So, doesn't like pizza. No, makes her real. Uh, but that's irrelevant. Back to how, back wait, to wait, 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 wait. How does it make her real? Uh, she's lactose intolerant. Well, just get like a pizza without cheese. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, sorry. no. Which, but what about, like, the vegan cheese? It's not cheese. No, but, like, you know, it'll give her something to do with, in her mouth. Yeah, but then I'd have to eat it too. But you get one each. But then, but then I'd eat a whole pizza. That's a lot of pizza. Uh-huh. And What's your point? <laughs> I mean, you make a good point. Uh, so... So you moved to London. You spent a lot of time in your room. How how are we I getting did. to well, pop stars? <laughs> let, let me let me let me tell. Shall I tell you the story? Okay. okay. Before I moved to London, I finished my degree in Derby, where I was living. Um, I I trained as a professional masseur. I was working in a um, a place and uh, being absolutely miserable. And my old housemate, who had already who lived in London, who was from like uh, Guildford or somewhere just outside London, had already moved to central London. And every now and then I would go down and visit him and have a little bit of a life that I felt like I was missing um, back in Derby, where there were exciting people and interesting places to go and new things to see and do. Um, you know, just kind of living the the big city lifestyle that everyone wants to live and. I'd watched too much Sex in the City, so I was all kind of romanticised about it and all that kind of thing. Um, and so I moved to... And so uh, eventually my ex, my old uh, housemate who'd moved down there 
he rang me up one day to complain um, that he that his um, flatmate flatmate was moving out, and I complained back at him that I felt like I was mis uh, that I was miserable and that I was hating my life in Derby, and I felt like I was just waiting to die, um, which is what you do in the Midlands. It's kind of all there is, but I it wasn't for me. Wait, so you were in your you were in your twenties, or like I'm yes, just I would have been what. Uh, I'd have been 23. And you were just like, I'm just, yeah, there's no point living. Not so much no point in living, but I wasn't enjoying anything I was doing. Derby's a very small, uh, it's a city technically, but it's just a a medium-sized town. There's not much there. There's not much going on. It was just not right for me. And I felt very kind of confined and lost and um, like I wasn't, I, like I wasn't making the most of my youth and young manhood, okay, if you will. Um, and so we basically uh, had this phone call where we both complained to each other, and he just went, "Well, why don't you move down here and move into my spare room? Because now we have a spare room and we need to fill it. And I'd rather you live here than someone else." And I just kind of went, "Okay." Um, and two weeks later, I moved to London with one friend, no job, no money, no plan. Uh, and enough rent, enough money to pay the rent for three months. That's the way you that do it. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it worked out. I've been there thirteen years now. I mean, uh, Corona may well end that, and I might have to move back to my parents permanently, or at least um, for a longer stretch. But up to now, like a thirteen-year streak is not bad, really, as things go. <laughs> Uh, I suppose no. Yeah, so 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 I went fuck it and moved and just uh, took the leap, or, or whatever the that phrase is supposed to be. Um, yeah, and I'm really glad I did because uh, I got to be miserable in a, in a completely different city with um, <laughs> a much larger cast of disappointing men and, which and is much nice, smaller you know? flats. Yeah. Yes, I paid more for my I paid more for my room in Vauxhall in a house than I had paid for my house in uh in Derby. Yeah, but let's like let's just not focus on that. Like it's just not. No, please it's just, let's it's not. It's just not. It's just not. <laughs> like, just don't give any mental energy to it. But like do you remember those first few months? Like how did that feel? Were you like ecstatic? Were you terrified? Were you something else? I when I first moved, I remember the first night as I was sat in this room with these uh, and this new housemate the the guy that i'd moved down to hang out with my my new best friend in london uh i saw him uh, on and off for the next three months and then he moved out so i was oh, essentially bastard. alone the whole time uh but i remember sitting there amongst all these boxes on this futon that i slept on for four years because there was no bed in this room and i couldn't afford to buy my own um and I just kind of sat down and just as it all started to catch up with me and I was just about to sit and have a really good cry and really get it out, there was a knock at the door and my uh, and my housemates, my other housemate and his boyfriend had got a bottle of wine and a joint and they were waiting for me downstairs and they were like, come join us, we'll, we'll have a chat and we'll get to know you and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's actually really nice. And so I never got around to uh, feeling sorry for myself about having moved and um, it was exciting and... Yeah, I, I don't know if everyone does this in London, but I did the thing where I would explore. I would explore using the tube, and like different tube stops would be like my point of 
reference and I would kind of explore outwards from tube stations. And then when they started to, when I started to get as far as another tube station, I'd be like, oh, wow, I know where that is on the tube map. I've kind of, it, it, and it became this weird kind of, each tube station was essentially this little village. And then as they spread out in my head and connected up, I could kind of, I got a bigger feeling for the whole city. And I had a little, um, this is because this is in the olden days before, um, we had phones with maps and shit on them. Um, anyway, oh, well, I uh, had, yeah, and I used to have so a little... I, like, I couldn't... Um, when I first moved to London, I couldn't get the tube because it was too confusing for me. Like, when I got out, and, mm. like, it was just completely, like... <sighs> okay, so anyone who, who's never been to London or, like, doesn't live in a city where there's undergrounds, so many of the tube stations are so close to each other. And... Especially in the centre. Especially in the centre. And if you just go to this one station, get up, go to the place that you are supposed to go to, get back onto the tube and then go away, and then and then do that for everything that you're ever doing at any point in time, you just have no idea what the shape of the city is like and how all the streets connect and how everything works. And so that's what was happening to me, and I just had, like, no clue. So I had to just start catching the bus everywhere. and then And then things made sense. I, I I can understand that completely. Um, I think I was I was more nervous that I would get on the wrong tube or I would get on the wrong oh, bus yes, because that. there was no because the bus maps were even more confusing than the tube map. Whereas with the tube, at least I could go. All right, I'm getting on a Vauxhall, and if I get on this one, the next stop will be uh, Pimlico. And if it wasn't Pimlico, I knew I was on the wrong one, and I had to change right away. <laughs> and then swap over to the other platform. Yeah. Whereas, like, one time when I'd come down to London years earlier, um, I'd run away with an Australian, but that's another story. Um, and we were in London, and we were trying to get to Soho, and we got on this bus, and uh, we ended up in um, fucking Penge or somewhere. Like, and we it was going in the wrong direction. We got on the bus on the wrong side of the road and ended up out in the suburbs somewhere on a Saturday night at, like, 11 o'clock, and it was terrifying. And this is long before mobile phones were a thing. Um, so... I think that kind of scarred me. So after that, uh, like, I, I, I always wanted to know that I was like, all right, so this is Pimlico, so the next one's Victoria. And after that, it's Green Park. And after that, it's Oxford Circus. And I'm getting off at Oxford Circus, so it's only four more stops. And then I kind of count them down. Uh, I watch as we pulled in. Like, there's no way, if, if, it, if we're going in the right direction, and the first one that we got to was the right one, there was no possible way that the second, third, or fourth ones wouldn't be the right ones. But I still would, like, nervously check out of the window every time we pulled into a station to make sure you I was going the right to, way. You have to have to be sure. And if, But <laughs> if the tube is so busy that you have to stand and you can't see what station you're coming into when you come into it because your eye line's cut off, that's so stressful. Just, just want to put that out. Yes. There. So, what were we saying? Pizza? So that was, so that was fun. Um, yes. So then I, I got a job in central London as a masseur, uh, working in a, um, a beauty salon in Soho. Uh, so yeah, I was a masseur who worked in Soho, and you can imagine all of the jokes that oh, came out yeah. of that one. Um, yeah. Uh, but I was, I was very, very good, and I, uh, I very rarely gave happy endings and i certainly didn't charge very rarely yeah like what kind of percentage we were doing this as a percentage what would it be oh um less than one percent oh okay yeah they had to be i had to be into i had to fancy them uh they had to be up for it 
and there had to be the opportunity to make it happen because often you know um it wasn't it, it, like the massage tables were only separated by curtains it's not like we had uh, a boudoir or any kind of what so uh, there were so there were like space. other massage tables on either side of the curtain there were three of these these kind of massage tables but the place was also you was primarily used for beauty treatment so a lot of the tables if the tables were being used they were almost always being used for uh waxing like leg waxing and brazilian waxes and stuff like that uh we were very proud of the fact that uh our girls could get a brazilian wax done in under three minutes no time for pain yeah, so it's gonna hurt, but if it's gonna hurt, you want it over with quickly, and we could, yeah. So that was our, that was the, the salon's thing was it was all about how quickly we could get shit done. Okay, um, and 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 so did did that extend to happy endings? I mean, when you've had a massage, you're very in your body anyway. So yeah, usually the happy ending does not take long at all. Bless them. I think oh. there were only like four or five guys in the whole like four years that I worked there that that ever got happy endings, and they were all guys that I fancied but, anyway. So it didn't really matter. And, and but then saying so like, how do you know that they're up for that? Is it is it like for the obvious? Is it the obvious? Yeah, it's it clue? tends to be the obvious way. Yeah, but but like, do, do men often just get boners when you're doing it? No, so that's how you can tell. Like, very rarely oh. would a guy who I think once or twice guys that weren't after that would accidentally get boners or like inadvertently get boners um and and very often they were embarrassed and, and like tried to hide it or whatever and I'm like don't worry it happens all the time and carry on because you know it's not a problem uh but yeah, then the ones that were interested wouldn't be trying to hide it and they'd be trying to nudge your hands up against it and stuff like that and you'd just be like oh, i know where this is going Oh. Yeah, and like if I wasn't into them, I'd just ignore it or say something like, "I'm sorry, uh, if I do that, I'll lose my license." Um, sorry, kind of thing. Uh, and then if they did, if if I did fancy them, then obviously I'd um, help them out. So, did these men tip? Um, occasionally, but I I felt I I had a very I didn't have quite as um, my my uh, attitude towards sex work at the time was a little uh, less evolved than it is now. So uh, it made me uncomfortable if they tipped. Uh, so I, I preferred, I didn't charge extra for it. And um, if they, if they tipped and it was like two or three pounds, I'd be like, well, <laughs> that, that seems an insult more than anything. Um, yeah. I mentioned this to a friend of mine uh, who was Spanish. So English wasn't his first language. And we were talking about this, and uh, and I was saying, oh, no, I was a masseur, and we talked about the happy endings and stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, so you were a whore? And I'm like, no, I, d I didn't charge. Like, I, I, I never charged. And he's like, oh, so you're a stupid whore. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, harsh, but yeah, accurate, I suppose. <laughs> But, yeah, so that was that was my first four years um, in Soho, working, running a um, a beauty salon, and uh, massaging occasionally horny men. It was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was a good it was a good pickup line. If I'm honest, like I'm a I'm a professional masseur, because then everyone would just be like, "Ooh, give me a rub," and then uh, <laughs> and then it would go from there, and I'd end up like rubbing more than just their shoulders. Uh, mm. But was that not tedious? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was because it was like. Uh, the, the, I mean it would be like someone going oh I'm a professional barista and you're going oh cool make me a coffee I'm like, yeah yeah or like you know I'm a podcast host oh cool t like t no we talk. have no useful skills 
<laughs> yeah, no, people are just like, oh, I don't want to have, I don't want to hear about this because I don't want you to expect me to listen to this. Okay, so, um, pop stars. Oh shit, yeah. So, um, do you remember the first time that you went there? Vaguely, yes, very, very vaguely. Um, yeah. And do you want to tell me about that? Oh right, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think I just remember it being big it was a lot bigger oh, than i was it was so it was it was so big and it was and, and i really liked the kind of it had a kind of um faded decadence to it there was a it was it was all kind of art decoy kind of uh i think it was art decoy like the building was art decoy and then it had this like gay club happening inside it and you think oh the faded grandeur of it all. It used to be so much nicer than this. It's lost. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, so, how the mighty have fallen. So, um, <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, oh. the Scala is a venue in King's Cross in central London and is like a big theatre and they do like live gigs there and and it's usually... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gig venue. So, and it's kind of like a big old ballroomy type thing so you go yeah in like a, a like an up. old dance hall or something yeah. i think maybe yeah and and it's like cavernous it's incredible there's um there is uh, when it was pop stars because that night was every friday night um they had the main dance floor was the alternative dance floor and yes. then there was a dance floor upstairs that was like trashy pop and then there was like a bar in the middle I don't know but if that the, ever like settled really, on a genre. That that one in the middle, like it had this very small room that would now be um about the size of um you know a medium-sized living room or um a one-bedroom flat, a studio apartment in central London. Uh so not very big at all. Uh that was that had like um light up walls and I think maybe a light up floor as well and it was always kind of R&B and um like or, or hip-hop or something that just didn't fit with the other two nights. You had trashy pop and you had the alternative kind of rock kind of night room. And then for some reason there was also the the kind of... Uh, I always thought of it as straight guy music. It was all kind of like... <laughs> what? I, I, it just it just felt like it was always full of straight boys. I'm sure it wasn't, and I'm sure that was just me being a horrible person because I was a horrible person. Mm, just, um, you know, you're a garden variety heterophobe. I know, right? But hetero is so awful. Like, it's not so much a phobia as it is a learned response. But anyway, um, yeah, it, for me, I always remember it as being an R&B or similar, like, really odd genre to put with the other two that were kind of... That's not odd. But anyway, like, I, I, um, yeah. I just remember going into that room because that was where you, like, got to sit down and chill out. So I don't like I don't really remember the music at all, but oh, I remember that I just being like there, like oh I'm I'm sick of the dance floor. Shall we go and sit in that room? I always used to go and sit upstairs in the um, in the trashy pop room, like against the wall. That's always where I end up sitting. But I was with this friend who absolutely loved to dance, and dancing is not my thing. I don't <gasps> mind doing it a bit, but I'm not particularly coordinated. And this is why I don't like clubbing oh, because God, I'm not. Yeah, I was going to say like, why even bother going out? Well, because I had it, because I didn't have any other friends. <laughs> so yeah, if I didn't go out with him, I didn't go out, and I'm like, all right, well, I still want to go out, and I kissed a few boys. I mean, okay, very rarely, but I did occasionally kiss a boy in there, um, and it was fun, and you know, we danced around, and 
uh, and I'd be exhausted because I'd have been at work since 10 a.m. and I'd finish at like half past six, seven p.m. and by then uh, and not I go could, home. I'd either I'd either run home and get changed and uh, then have to go straight out to uh, meet my friend yeah. and then go to Pop Stars. Like we'd go to uh, Trash Palace first probably and uh, have a drink or. Um, or depending on when and where I was meeting him, I maybe I'd meet him. I'd go straight from work to Trash Palace because it was just around the corner, yeah. um, and what have you. And yeah, so I was always absolutely exhausted, and uh, you know, trying to like stay buzzed on a couple of uh, pints of Red Stripe, a couple of cans of Red Stripe, or whatever this crappy bar in uh, La Scala was selling. Um, and so, are you? So are you one of those friends? Like. There's just no way of me saying this politely. But are you just Don't one worry. of those friends that then he just gets annoyed with because you're not going to dance and he wants to dance? And you're just like, probably. I mean, like I say, he moved out three months after I moved into the flat with <laughs> and him it was and all, we barely spoke since. It was all since. because of the pop stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sure I'm, I must be pretty annoying to live with at the best of times. So I'm sure he had plenty of reasons to not live with me anymore. Um, but yeah, he, he loved to dance. It was like his thing and... Um, it was just not mine. It's still not mine. In fact, if anything, it's less mine now than it was then. And so then um, what do you do in a club if you don't dance? I, I don't just... go to clubs anymore. Okay. I just don't. Unless, unless like, once, you know, when when the planets align and uh, the, the spring is upon me, then I'll go out and I'll have a dance in a club. But it happens very, very rarely. Whereas we'd go to pop stars every Friday night. I'd be completely knackered. I'd also be quite poor, minimum wage, living in central London, not a lot of disposable income. Um, and so I I wouldn't be able to get very drunk. I would be absolutely knackered and I'd just kind of like sit miserably at the side and have a horrible time. <laughs> but, which is weird. Memories. Because the, but um, so I was going to say, but the memories I have of being in in um, pop stars are always really positive. Like I had a good time. Okay, weirdly. so then talk me through like a general night. So you've you've been, oh. like you've, you've had your pre-drinks, you've got there so you can get in before like full door charge or before like the queue gets like so ridiculous that you have to stand outside. Yeah, for too long we and usually get there about 11 ish 11 30 like if if it was a if it was a, a comfortable night then yeah about 11 11 30 so before midnight i think it was more expensive after midnight and so you I get, can't remember you get through the door you you've passed the security guards arbitrary test and then you pay, pay your door charge or not because it's cheaper or it's free i can't remember and then you go up the stairs what happens do you break off from your friend immediately? Do you go to a dance floor? He takes up dancing. You stand against the wall. <laughs> I would always work the room. I would always kind of like have a wander around, see whose eye I could catch and all that kind of thing. Bear in mind that I, at this time I uh, was not as uh, stylish and charming as I seem now. I was scruffy and angry and um tired and not drunk enough so oh, often I, like i'm sure i put guys off i don't think i was a particularly attractive person in my mid-20s at all um but so how do so, you do like how if, yeah how do you scour the room don't scour the well, room so you what were your words the then sorry I, I i would work the room yeah. i would just kind of like wander around see who was there because there were so many like familiar faces that you just saw every time 
uh, and I'd say hi if I if I bumped into someone I knew and that kind of thing, and just have a drink and look around, and see who I thought was cute and who I was going to obsess over but not actually talk to. So, um, if you thought someone was cute, is that what you would do? You would just kind of like linger. Yeah, because I didn't have any kind of wait for social skills or that. No one ever made a move on me. That's not how this works. No, okay, That's okay. Not how this but, like, ever worked. but in your like in your head at that point. Were you like, maybe if I just like stand here, they'll spill a drink on me and then they'll have to talk to me because they'll have to apologize. Or were you ever proactive? Um, I was always proactive because I'd tried that before. Like I had, when I was at university, I had those kind of skinny, well-dressed, like really horribly bitchy, toxic gays who were like the attractive ones. And I was the the scruffy, fat, hairy like angry entirely uh the opposite of them in every way so they would happily stand they would never they wouldn't some of them wouldn't even dance and they would certainly never make the first move they'd stand at the side of the dance floor and wait for someone to come to them and i had tried this myself and all that happened was i got bored and i got lonely <laughs> and all of my friends would 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 do that and would pull because they were all skinny and hot and stylish and i would just be stood there looking dumpy and hairy and angry or i'd get like ruinously drunk and make a titter myself that happened quite often as well uh, but i spent but in pop stars i used to spend most of my time in the in the main room i loved that big room and the music was good and the guys were always hotter i've got such a thing for kind of alternative rock kind of guys um and so i would just be like oh <sighs> over all these guys that i couldn't have See, this is, so the thing that I always think about with pop stars is the thing that, like, the thing that is my main takeaway is that, like, everyone who went was like, oh, it's an alternative night, it's alternative and queer. And, like, you've got to remember at the time, like, that was a big deal because you didn't really have anything yeah. like that. Um, but, I mean, do we have anything like that now? I suppose, like, um, East London. Yeah, like yeah. Dalston. Yeah, I think you do have The quite, Glory and all that kind quite. of Yeah, anyway, um, sorry, carry on. Uh, but then you'd get there and then everyone would want to be in the trashy pop room on the top floor and the alternative floor was just dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and everyone would have yeah, like the skinny from, jeans on, but like no one was actually interested in listening to the, that music. Apart from there'd be like three or four like uh, gay hardcore rockers with the actual like long hair and the beards and all that kind of thing who had found their place and were only at their happiest when they were moshing in the middle of this kind of like uh, rocky kind of floor. I think they even used to do like a, an hour of thrash metal or a few, like half an hour maybe. There was, <laughs> there was a chunk of the night that was that was thrash net metal in the main room or at least like heavy metal for, for these guys. And there was a little tribe of them and none of them were attractive to me. Uh, so like my memory of them is only kind of, oh, they're playing that music. Okay, I should go upstairs now. Um, I don't remember that. I remember, yeah. I just remember the alternative music wasn't. I mean, really, the, like, alternative music is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Like, alternative music, it was like Mr. Brightside. <laughs> oh, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, did you ever go, um, round, round what would have been the backstage area back when it was a, a, a theater or a no, dance hall no, or whatever never. it was? Oh yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't in any way cordoned off, but it felt very much like you weren't supposed to be around there. And there were like little what must have been dressing rooms off of this there was like a there was a stage. What? So you just and then there was this like them. Yeah. It was oh. like a C shaped corridor. There was a toilet back there. 
um, which I think was why it was open to oh, us because, okay, you know, yeah. if you needed to pee. Um, but there, it was a C-shaped corridor that ran all the way around the back of the stage. And there were some rooms off it that were like dressing rooms or similar. And those rooms were always full of the scene kids doing coke. Like if you if you were cool enough, you were in one of those rooms uh, doing lines of coke while someone watched the door. Um, but I was never cool enough. All I got was like, all, the only reason I knew that was happening was because as I came around the corner, they'd be like, here comes that angry looking guy. Yeah. And then they just kind of like silently watch me from the doorway until I walked past and then like they go back to their, their fat rails or whatever. Um, I, I, I remember like one of the guys who was always in the downstairs room, who I was madly in love with, uh, was sweaty topless guy. Um, I remember he had, uh, I think he's, I think he must've dyed his hair black and he would always so how, start dancing. Why did and you then, give him that nickname? Cause he was always topless and he would dance so much that he would sweat a lot. And he was kind of young. He was kind of a alternate twink, um, kind of thing. I think his name was Baz. And, um, oh, I, and he had that kind of emo hairstyle and I was in love with him. I never spoke to him, but I would like, well, how did you know his name then? Oh, because, um, I think on the Facebook group or something like someone tagged him in a photo or everyone, everyone knew who he was because he was always there and he was always the skinny, not even that skinny. He was like, he had a, he was very sexy, uh, <laughs> boy with his top off who danced around to him so much that he sweat and, Baz, if you're and he never had there, his top on. Uh, yeah. Baz, if, episode, if, get in mm, touch. And did you ever go? For the New Year's parties at Pop Stars, mm, I don't know. I'm not a very like. I'm one of those people who's like, oh New, <laughs> oh New Year's. I'm just. I'm not going to be able to get in. I'm not going to be able to use the toilet because there's going to be too many people. There's just no point. I'll just stay at home. As am I. But as we've <laughs> as we've discovered, like my own feelings were never really the top of my list when it came to uh, this kind of thing. So uh, I would do what everyone else wanted because I wanted to be one of the cool kids, um, which is exhausting and not much fun. But and the New Year's Eve nights, they would have these massive air cannons on the sides of the stage and huge, like taller than me and much broader than me. So they must have been like eight feet tall, uh, cylindrical bags full of polystyrene balls like the the tiny little oh. the you know the little white bubbles that they crush into shapes to turn into like the stuff that you put in boxes to keep your tv yeah, safe yeah, or whatever yeah. huge bags of those before they got crushed so these little tiny like smaller than peas but made of that like super light stuff and someone's job would be to shovel them into these um, air cannons that just blasted them across the room so it was essentially just like fake snow like falling on the inside of this massive ballroom type area in the Scala every New Year's Eve or every Christmas or whenever their fucking party was every year. And I, and those things would turn up months later. Like I would be finding them <laughs> in my, in my room, these little white polystyrene balls in fucking April for no reason. And I wouldn't know where they'd come from, but I'd know exactly where, how they'd ended up in my bedroom. Cause whatever I'd been wearing that night had brought them home with me. And Baz, bless him, dancing around without his top on, he'd be so sweaty that these little <gasps> white balls would just stick to him. He was absolutely covered. Uh, like any bit of any bit of flesh was was lost to a sea of little white bubbles uh, that just that just and uh, oh I loved him. I had such a thing. So, for him. D d d d and and 
Like you so say, you never talked to I'd him. I'd forgotten or... about him until we started just, talking like, about You never him, talked to him or anything. Just... Never spoke to him. Never, ever spoke so to him. It's just this ingenue that's just like on the this, dance floor. In the distance, this this beautiful young man that was out having a lovely time, an amazing time. And I was envious of the time he was having because I never really got into it because it wasn't my vibe and I hadn't realised that yet. But also he was just, he was he was handsome and he seemed fun. Would it help if I said that he's probably really dull? Like you've never talked to him, so you don't know, but odds are, I mean, most people are really dull. So, you know, odds are he Most is. people are really dull. I mean, I'm really dull. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. do much. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I'm getting old now. I'm, like, in my late 20s. Um, shut the fuck up. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything. You can identify whatever age you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> I'm in my extremely late twenties uh, because I'm I'm 38. That is really quite late twenties, isn't it? Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So bore, like dull is okay now. I mean, to a point. What? Like, oh, so you know you're so you were still in love with him? I'm not like dull as in like he stays home and like is into crochet. I just mean like he just has like really boring opinions and is not much fun to talk to. Kind of dull. You don't care, do you? Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but but he but he's it's that it's that thing of um, he'll always be perfect because uh, I never got to know him. He he exists in potential only. He the the waveform was never collapsed. He's both uh, the the perfect particle and also the the tedious wave at the same time. So okay, and there's so no Baz, if you and there's are no way to find out. Don't get in touch. Just like just like, <laughs> turn this episode off. Because bugger off. Like no, not no, he definitely should. Scott but... does not want to know you because he just wants this perfect. He really does. No, he, Scott no, really does. Baz, no, Baz, Baz. <laughs> um, no, right. Baz. So you got to the club. And then you did your little like, oh, I'm going to go off and like skulk and like look mean and menacing. Well, I'd I'd enjoy the music. Like if while they were playing, while they were playing the music I liked, I'd be in the big room downstairs and I'd be hanging around trying to be cool and trying to be one of those boys. And I could I could never get the eyeliner to work for me, so I wasn't I didn't even get to. Oh, but uh, did you try pose properly? Yeah, of course oh, I tried. I never tried. Yeah, I did. I did eyeliner. I. Uh, I wore, I think my, my favorite outfit, I don't know why my favorite outfit was, uh, baggy brown pinstripe trousers, uh, mm-hmm. with a, uh, a bright pink t-shirt that had something gay on it. I think it said, I want to be your cowboy or something like that. Um, or it was equally like camp and silly t-shirt that was, that was very tight um, which wouldn't have been that flattering as I was a bit chunky, but um, I wore it. Well, anyway. I mean, we all wore tight um, t-shirts in. Yeah, it was the, like the thing was like baggy trousers, tight t-shirts before it became skinny jeans and like a shirt. <laughs> or do you, do you remember skinny jeans and waistcoat? Do you oh. remember skinny jeans and waistcoat? Yeah. I tried that once. I looked like a pirate lesbian. <laughs> it was not I mean, a good look on goes. me. Why, why is that not a good look? It just It, it just didn't work. Like, God, had I wanted to be to a lesbian pirate, pirate it would have been fine. And the the like, like, and the thing about the baggy jeans was that like you had to have them hanging, hanging. Oh, and you wore your American apparel underpants underneath that were brightly coloured. So, like, yes, bright coloured underpants. Oh, so that, amazing. 
I had some uh, I had some red and black checkered ones oh. because that that was the proper red kind of yeah. Fallout Boy scene yeah. scenester kind of thing. Yeah. <gasps> Amazing. Yeah, and you just had your like butt showing over the top of the jeans. Yeah, because the jeans in your little H M and H and M pants because <laughs> they were always the brightest <laughs> colours of the H and M ones. They were five pound a pair. There were and there were chains like everyone's wallet was oh, a chain, yes. and a studded belt, and a skinny tie, oh. <laughs> and a bit of eyeliner. It's very Pete Wentz, I think. Is, was that yeah. person? Uh, Have I made that yeah. up? Yeah, a Pete. Uh, yeah, he's from Fallout Boy, isn't he? You, let's say yes. I'm not going to look it up. Was he married to Ashley Simpson? I honestly don't know. Pete went. I'm looking mm. it up. I used to fancy, I used to fancy him, <gasps> and the dude from, uh, Mul- uh, Brian Mulco as well. Oh, oh, I never got that with Brian. I never. Got <sighs> yeah. So many people fancied him. Not anymore. Father Time has really taken a bat to him. Bless him. Oh, None of us can know. help how we age, of course. But uh, I, I think all those, all that drugs and partying in his twenties has kind of, uh. Burnt it out. So, so yes. Just not that I want to talk. For, just for, for fact finders, uh, Pete Wentz was in Fallout Boy, and uh, yeah, was married to Ashley Simpson. Wonder what Ashley Simpson's doing today. Um. So, so let's look, get back. Let's get back. So you went in. Okay. You, yeah. Like. You so I would go in, in. I would. I would like grab a drink from the bar. I would queue for like half an hour for a bottle uh, for a can of warm red stripe. <laughs> I would. I would work my way. Oh, around the and dance can we floor. just say? Can we just like the the bars in the Scala were so stressful because they were so long and there was like five or six, yes. like maybe maybe like three or four people working the bar, and so. You would always be like trying to get someone's attention and someone would show up bef- like after you showed up and they would get served before you. And it was really horrible. <laughs> it was it was like it was one of those places where in theory, there must be a place where you can stand that will that will help you get served. But it was never the place where you actually end up stood. You always ended up stood between the beats horrible. of two of the barman do you know what i mean yeah, like they yeah, both yeah. have their little areas and somehow wherever you stood you'd end on up the border between <laughs> yeah so no one would ever serve you and oh uh, it was just so horrible and i would just like oh i just get unnecessarily stressed about it <laughs> and they had that horrible vodka that gave me a cough oh, oh i don't know about like that. like vodka cough was a thing it was it was so like what, because it was Glenn's really cheap or vladdy good or something Vladigood. yeah the really <laughs> shitty vodka vladdy good vodka uh it would definitely wasn't smirnoff or anything not that smirnoff's particularly good but it would definitely wasn't anything that you'd heard of it was the cheap shit that would make you blind if you drank enough of it <laughs> <sighs> yeah horrible stuff i can taste it i can taste it now as as, as we're Aww. doing this just ugh. and then so you so you'd so yeah i would do ages, that get your drink off you go Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look angry. I'd go and I'd go and hang out in the main room, and I'd dance around a bit, and I'd like I bang some guy who would get intimidated and run away. Um, I'd I'd go and pee in the toilet near where all the twinks were doing their coke. I'd uh, go and queue up for another drink or something, and then like as the music got too heavy or as I got bored, I'd kind of drift upstairs to the trashy pop room. Um, that I think. Was must have originally been like 
the balcony mm. of the like looking down onto the main yeah. stage and they'd kind of they had I don't think they even walled it off i think it was just a massive kind of tarpaulin curtain or something because i remember I don't remember this. This never happened to me, but I remember like being told that like if you pulled, you could like sneak off behind that curtain and uh, get a little <laughs> bit sexy, and no one could see you because you were like tucked away in the dark, out of the way. Uh, and so I was taught, like, should it ever happen? That's where I needed to go. And I'm like, okay, good. I'll remember that. And that that information is in my head, and it has been used as many times as uh, like. How to escape quicksand, which at the time seemed when you were little seemed like escaping quicksand was going to be a big deal in later life and something that you needed to learn. And so I committed, like, don't thrash around, move slowly and deliberately. Try and spread your weight out is how you get out of quicksand. And you know, if you pull in pop stars, sneak off behind the curtain for a bit of a snog and a hand job. Neither of those things have been useful in my life at all. I'm sorry. That's all right. It's like, not your fault. But- well, I mean, if you were at Pop Stars, then you didn't like want to have a a, a snog and a wank with me either. So you know, partly it's your or book. like or I could have got off with Baz and broken my little heart. Yeah, yeah. taking him away from How you, like dare that, you. like on the night that he was like, you know that that angry guy who keeps out eye banging me. I might give him a shot. I came swooped in and I mean took him. I, he was a cutie and he was a face. I think everyone knew who he was. So, like, I'm sure he he, he had his little harem or his little um, <laughs> his his go tos. I mean, maybe he had a boyfriend. Maybe he was happily monogamous the entire time. I've no idea. He just he just seemed to be. He was so happy and so kind of having fun, and it was adorable. And he was hot and cute and cheekbones. Just, oh. <laughs> wanked myself sore i did oh i know romantic isn't it (laughs) and so then then i'd then i'd run then i'd end up in the uh the 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 trashy pop room upstairs for the last hour or so and there'd be some uh pussycat dolls or were they around then or was that too early yeah yeah all kind of blurs i think atomic kitten uh Yeah, and and There's like definitely girls allowed. Yeah, some early girls allowed. Push the button, I think, was one of my. Oh, yeah, okay. that would definitely yeah, have been around then. Bait. That was like that. Yeah, sugar Babes. But I remember push the button was one of my favorite songs. Um, yeah, around that time, and they probably played Mr. Brightside upstairs as well because it was oh, one of those songs that was just everywhere. Just and that you look back and you think, Jesus fucking Christ! But at the time, it was the just... song that sticks out for me is um, "What You Waiting For" by um, Gwen Stefani. Yeah, just like just oh. like just used to think that was so cool, and now it's like mm, that that whole album campaign is a little problematic. Oh, I don't remember. I remember the song, and that... um, so I wanted to talk yeah. about eye banging. Oh fuck! All right. So um, how like how do you do it? It's just that kind of. Uh, when you're really into someone and you just can't stop looking at them, that's eye banging. Like, like in oh. a really creepy way. I mean, not intentionally, but like considering who I was and what I was like at the time, then almost certainly was creepy to everyone but me. <laughs> I was going for kind of like um, smouldering and, and and mysterious and sexy, but it almost certainly came across as just incredibly creepy, because you know, because because why not? But like I am. Um... I never got good at flirting. I, I got good at flirting. I've always um that that's something that I kind of 
pride myself on is I know how to flirt, but only because uh, I had to learn. Because, like I say, if I stood at the side and waited for someone to come to me, it never happened. And but, so, oh, but like, do you mean flirting like after you start talking to someone? How I do mean, you flirt like with someone that, before? I mean, in that like I'm just lo- I'm looking at you from across the floor and mm, like, come to oh, me. I'm hello. Like, mm. how do people do that? No idea. I've always it's so bizarre. I have to use my words. Like word, like body I, isn't gonna set anyone's pants on fire, and like my dancing certainly wasn't. And I couldn't smolder. I just looked stalkery. So all I had going for me was my words. Um, so yeah, like going up oh. and talking to someone. Very quickly lost any kind of fear around um, talking to strangers because I am. Um... It just like because I I talk so softly, I just couldn't talk to anyone in. <laughs> but you have such lovely dulcet tones. I could I could doze off listening to you talk about anything. Yeah, but in a club where the music's really loud and I'm like, hey, I was, I was you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, I can't be bothered with this. <laughs> Pretty much. Probably, yeah. So that's why I just I had to use my body. I mean whatever works like you had (laughs) it was it was a tool in your arsenal it was not one i had yeah but i just like oh no i mean i was just so sweaty in every club so even that didn't work unless you know you'd like profuse sweating but some people really do like that yeah i wore a lot of black to kind of cover that up because i would sweat a lot too um between the the just the kind of moist atmosphere and then dancing around a lot and also having drinks spilt on you and everything else, like wearing a lot of black, was really the only way to uh, get through that. It was a black shirt with a red tie to <laughs> to match my red checkered pants. Mm, okay, getting know, the right? visual, getting the visual. <laughs> and so then, what's your opening line when you're flirting? The one I used to use all the time was, uh, you look really familiar. Uh, have I, <laughs> like, you look really familiar. Have I spoken, like, have we spoken before? And that would. <laughs> no, that, and that, and that worked. That, that worked. Because they'd be like, no, I don't think so. And I'd be like, ah, oh, maybe like, do we go to the same gym or do you live near me? And, and it's a good way to start a conversation. And then like within a couple of seconds, you'll know if they're interested enough to talk to you. And if not, then they'll just go, no. And you go, <laughs> oh, right, never mind, sorry. And you move on like as gracefully as you can. Whereas if they're interested enough to talk to you, then you're in with a chance. All you have to then is find a way to charm them or flirt with them or slip into conversation that you've got an enormous penis, something like that, whatever works. Like, I mean, why it, wouldn't you but, just start with that? Because dancing up to, wandering up to someone and going, "Oi, I've got a big dick," does not work. Also, then, like, if they, if depends what the club is, I guess. Yeah, and had that actually worked, they would have been extremely disappointed when they got me home. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Don't start with that. But like, do you do you ever do that when you're saying to someone, "Oh, like, do we know each other?" And they start to be like, "Yeah, yeah, you look familiar." And if they do, do you respect them more or less? If they say that, then I would start, I mean, this barely ever happened, but I would have started to get excited because I'm like, oh, they've noticed me. They've seen me <laughs> around. <gasps> Maybe I am attractive to other people. And then yeah, they'd be like, yeah, weren't you that guy that like got absolutely hammered and made a tip of himself here last week? I'm like, <laughs> no, that must have been I'm someone else. the guy else. that follows Baz around. <laughs> like yes, that dog. was definitely me. <laughs> 
less bars. So, so having like because the club moved around and kind of petered out. I don't remember my last time there. Do you remember your last time? Uh, I remember. Oh, I remember one time in Sin in the little alternative room. I uh, there was a st- there was a stage for dancing on, and all around the edge was like a, a a shimmery gold curtain, like just against the wall. And uh, I went to lean on it and managed to find the only part of it that was a door, and fell through this door and down a flight of stairs <gasps> that was right next to the stage, and that for some reason hadn't been properly secured, um, Did you... which was painful and humiliating. Um, did you get no, I didn't come. Or anything? <laughs> no, no one saw, and I didn't make a fuss because I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want anyone to know, so I just kind of like <laughs> scrambled back up, closed the door, and then like leant against the wall until I could see straight, and everything had stopped hurting quite so much. <laughs> Did you have impressive bruises though? Uh, I can't remember. Probably, um, it was a long, long time ago. Um, but the, the last time I was there, it was it hadn't it hadn't like completely closed down. It was still going, and I left while the music was still good and the party was still. Go- I wasn't there at the end of the night, um, and I didn't pull anyone, and I was all right with that. Uh, I'd had a good night. My friend pulled someone, and so he was in a good mood. Uh, and we 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 staggered out of the end and down Charing Cross Road and onto the. 88 or the 87 bus from Trafalgar Square that would take us back to uh, our flats in Vauxhall. And it was a lovely night. And um, yeah, I think part of me definitely misses those nights. They were, they were great fun. Um, and even for someone who didn't like clubbing, I used to keep going back. And so that, that, that has to tell you something, I think. Did you ever go to Pop Stars? Well, if you did, I would love to hear about it. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the username K Anderson Music and tell me your stories, share your photos, tell me what songs you remember from that time. I want to have a conversation. And whilst you're at it, go and give Scott some love on Twitter. His profile name is Scott Flashheart. And on top of that, make sure that you give the Probably True podcast a spin or two. Lost Spaces is not only a podcast, but a concept record as well. I've been writing songs about queer venues and the people who used to live their lives there, and we'll be releasing songs over the next year. You can hear the first single, which is called Well Groom Boys, and is also playing underneath my talking right now, on all good streaming platforms. If you liked this episode, I would really appreciate if you took a few minutes to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or just tell someone or some things that you know who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Lost Spaces.